0: art of the kickstart episode 98 welcome to the art where entrepreneurs are constantly pushing the envelope to build businesses of greatness and inventors are innovating creating the products of the future and backers stand strong for what they believe these are some of the great thinkers inventors and leaders of our time here are their stories before we jump into the interview, if you're looking for crowdfunding fulfillment, make sure you talk to eFulfillmentService.com. They're a small company, that means they've got your back. Check them out, guys. Launching a Kickstarter campaign isn't exactly easy. That's why the majority of Kickstarters fail, despite how hard enters work. I put together a free six-step email mini-course to try to eradicate this evil issue and help inventors and entrepreneurs everywhere. If you guys go to ArtOfTheKickstart.com/checklist, you can get the new and improved six-step guide. That's going to walk you step-by-step step through making your Kickstarter, your crowdfunding campaign happen. Check it out, artofthekickstart.com slash checklist, and make your crowdfunding dreams happen. Guys, welcome to Art of the Kickstart, the show where we have crazy technical problems with incredible computer guys, and that's why we got Alex Klein on today. He crushed it with Keno, the company that's helping people everywhere learn to code, which is absolutely terrifying. Thanks for coming today, Alex. Let's try this again.
1: Great. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm looking forward.
0: So Alex, this is take two. We always start this with a life quote, a success quote. What do you got?
1: Okay, the one that I'd like to give you is this by Victor Hugo. Nothing can stop an idea whose time has come. And in the original French, it's more like, you know, no army can stop an idea whose time has come. And I love that notion because I've always thought that, you know, an idea well told and a story well spun is probably the most powerful thing there is. I think
0: Inception would definitely agree with you. They crushed it in the box office. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And I think your entire company is based around an idea. Take us back to the inception of Kano, basically the company that was trying to empower everyone.
1: Yeah, sure. So the the idea at the heart of Kano is this. Anyone, anywhere should be able to make their own computer and use code to do something creative. Whether you're a seven year old in London, like my little cousin Mika, who first made this challenge, who first challenged us to build a computer that was as simple and fun as Lego, whether you're and then
0: rocked out on that Kickstarter video too. I gotta cut you off. Mika absolutely crushed it. Everyone, give Mika a hand, a round of
1: applause. He'll love that. I mean, he's the true. He really is the true founder of the business. He he was the one who was far thinking enough to say when you know myself and, and my co founders Yonatan and Saul. We put a Raspberry Pi in front of him. We were so excited. We were saying, "What do we do with this? Do you want to send it into space? Do you want to make a robot?" He said, "Very simply, let's make it as simple and fun as Lego, so no one has to teach me how to use it." And at the time, you know, the Raspberry Pi had sold a million units, but most of those had gone to plus forty-four year old men, people who were hackers, developers, people who who could get past that initial barrier to entry. The four dummies guide, on the other hand, was four hundred pages long, tiny font. So we thought, okay. Let's put this pie together with a simple, playful operating system, a book, a set of computer stories, plugs, some power-ups, a DIY speaker, and build the first computer kit that anyone, anywhere can make.
0: So here's a question. When you're creating something, you're always going to get feedback from customers. How do you know what to go with? How do you know what to avoid? You guys made something that was clearly mass market. Anyone could use it. But at the same time, you always hear niche down. What's your feedback? What's your advice on that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So the when we first started, we knew that we were uniquely unqualified to just invent something out of the blue. We figured we'd throw everything against the wall and learn as we went along. I wrote a, a simple book, a step-by-step story explaining, you know, what a computer's brain does, how memory works, you know, how you could link together a few simple Python scripts to call a game to life like Minecraft or call a, a YouTube video from the command line. We threw you know, this Raspberry Pi, these simple ideas, this simple book, and a bunch of kind of awesome plug and play components that Yonatan sourced from China into 200 white boxes that we hand folded ourselves in our apartment. We got tons of paper cuts. We took them across the world. We went to London, Shenzhen, we went to Sierra Leone, we went to Johannesburg, and we listened. We, the kids, they were tearing apart the boxes. They were telling us, wow, I never knew I could actually look inside a computer. You know, the computers in their lives are hermetically sealed. They're perfect glass screens. You know, they're powerful, they're cool, but kids are hungering to look inside. So, I, you know, how did we know what feedback to take and what feedback to ignore? I think initially, you know, you have to you have to have sort of the obnoxious spirit of an artist. You have to be willing to sometimes say, okay, I know you've told me this would be cool as an app. I know you've told me I'd love to build a rocket ship, but my vision is a computer that you make yourself. You know, our, our plan is to build a computer company, so we're going to make it a, a computer kit. I, I guess what, what's a classic Henry Ford quote? If I had asked people what they had wanted, they would have said a faster horse. But of course, he came up with something different, the horseless carriage, eventually the automobile. So you have to sort of walk the line. You have to be sensitive to what people are saying. But at the same time, know who you are and know what the, the big, unmet, unrealized, impossible vision that you're chasing is and, and don't compromise on that.
0: A little Bill Gates and a little Steve Jobs, I like that. And I think that's one of the most incredible things. I think that's why you guys were so successful with your campaign is everything that you did with the kids, with people around the world. You have incredible testimonial videos, incredible feedback, incredible things that can tie your company and your message to anyone, regardless of where they're from. How do people mimic something like that? Not everyone is creating a computer product that can literally change the world. How can other people steal your strategy and shine?
1: Well, you know, I think whatever you do, if you do it with authenticity and heart, and you truly truly tell the story in the way that only you can, you will find fellow travelers. That's one of the, the magic things about being alive today, you know, crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter, but others as well, just you know networks, creative communities that have arisen over the past five, 10 years on the Internet. They, you are likely, if you're honest, if you know, there isn't a shred of cynicism in what you're saying and doing, you're likely to find people who will support you and maybe even throw, throw you a, full, a few dollars to get it done. So my first big piece of advice, get the story right. Yes, the video on Kickstarter is important, but the writing is as well. We want to hear your voice. We want to see step by step in a clearly organized and systematized fashion why this is important to you, how you want to bring it to life, and what your backers can expect uh, once they've supported your project. I think, you know, that's one. The second lesson I would say is mix the arts and the sciences. If you're solving a technical problem and that's where your skill set lies, make sure that there are real human stories, human faces, emotions, and types of more subjective expression in your campaign. If you're building something more artistic, more creative, you're doing, you know, a piece of art, you know, a theater production, make sure that your uh, execution framework, you know, the technical way you're going to reach this vision is clear to people as well. I think, you know, Today, some of the bo- the boundaries between the arts and science, between being techie, between being creative, are starting to blur. And if you're crowdfunding an idea, what you really need to do is appeal to people as human beings, not as consumers, not as, as coders, not as as creatives, but as people. And what people want to back, in especially in the 21st century, is human technology, technology that has a heart.
0: That was a kick-ass fucking statement. Like, what you just put out there is so true. If you're creating anything... You've got to appeal both emotionally and logically to people. And you guys definitely did that. And you talked about this mission, this passion, this freaking drive to do something and be authentic. And I think that's what's cool. Sometimes I just like to get pumped up on the podcast. And you're clearly pumped up about this. Why are you so excited about the company, where it's going?
1: Well, I think, you know, we we set out to do something very different. And Yonason and I, we were both head in the clouds uh but hopefully feed on the ground kind of guys. I think we live in the most exciting, ecstatic time in human history. You can get a single board brain exponentially faster than the computer that took the Apollo to the moon for less than the price of a textbook. You can get 4G LTE internet on Mount Everest Base Camp. You can learn almost anything from how to weed your garden to how to build a nuclear reactor for free online on YouTube, on Khan Academy, on Code Academy. So why are we doing what we're doing now? Because we think we need to build a computer company for this new world and for the kids that are growing up in this new world who are using open tools, cheap devices, who are wiring them together, connecting different code bases in ways that might be you know, unexpected by the older generation. We want to inspire, you know, in the next decade, you know, 500 million kids around the world to make, play, and express their creativity with technology. Despite all the power that we have, despite the fact that there are 8.2 billion connected devices in the world, only 50 million people know how to program. And the expressive creative spirit of the future is not going to be just an engineer or just a coder. It's going to be someone who can use code as part of a broader creative picture to make a product, to make a song to make a game, to challenge one another. And I think we're entering a time of unprecedented human creativity with you know technology as the medium, but humanity still the message. And we want to build a computer company and a computer kit that's as simple as Lego and that can deliver uh, that promise to, to the new generation who needs it most.
0: So let's play devil's advocate. If you wanted to create something that people could code on throughout the world, if you wanted to hit the biggest impact, why not a mobile app? Because mobile apps are exploding and the fact that a lot of, like right now I'm based in Vietnam, a lot of areas around the world, third world countries are completely skipping the laptop the laptop generation going straight to mobile. What's your thoughts and feedback on that? Is Kano going mobile in the future as well?
1: I think we're building a computer company. So while we've started with a PC, we'd like to give you the ability in the coming years to build your own tablet, your own phone, your own 3D printer, your own drone, but one of the reasons we decided to build Cano as a sort of integrated end-to-end computer company is we feel that there's a certain kind of magic in building that sort of integrated experience, in building a, a sort of journey that moves from you know a box of bits to an assembled kind of brain with uh, with a Wi-Fi uh, dongle attached, and then you you kind of put in your your speaker and you you plug it into the GPIO pins you. Uh, you connect to the internet, the screen comes to life, you can then sort of hack around on the board, add a light, add a wire, make it into an FM radio. There's magic in having a complete computer that you build and code yourself rather than say, hey, you know, here's a learn-to-code app on your parents' iPad that you may play with for a few minutes, but, you know, ultimately you're going to go back to the Angry Birds. When kids, and you see them, you know, around the world in in Kenya, in in Kosovo, in, in South America really, in, in in almost any place where a Kano kid arrives, you see a child who's not just excited to code, but really to build, to get their hands dirty, to look inside a computer, to take control. And, you know, we did our Kickstarter, we ended up raising 1.5 million from 13,387 backers in over 86 countries. And I think one of the reasons we moved so fast we got those kits to so many places is because there's a latent hunger around the world, not just in the West, but around the world to look inside a PC, the hardware and the software and start taking control.
0: You know what makes it magical? It's the thing. It's, it's physical products. That's what it is. You're essentially enabling every single person that uses Kano to make their own product. And that's why so many people love physical products based businesses versus SaaS. SaaS is cool. Sure, it sells like heroin and the margins are incredible, but there's that physical, tangible, learning, exciting experience when you create something. And that's what you guys, that's what you guys are doing. Where do you see Keno going in the future? I mean, obviously everything's changing with the way that mobile, the way that laptops, the way that technology is built. You mentioned a couple of mediums you were thinking about. Tablets, drones. Any Kickstarters coming in the future?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, stay tuned. the uh, The big goal for us now is is to deeply listen to our first thirty five thousand customers and continue to make Cano the most you know simple, fun, playful computer kit in the world. And you know that involves a lot of optimization of of what we already have. At the same time, we're really interested in what comes next. And you will be seeing before the end of this year another uh, another crowdfunding campaign from us. So stay tuned. We're, we're going to give you the chance to build something quite incredible, something that will surprise you and will give a child the ability to do do something more creative than they've ever really experienced before with both hardware, software, and the arts. So I can't reveal the exact nature of the product now, but suffice to say, uh, Kano's coming up with something really exciting in the year to come. So you know, go to our website, cano.me, sign up to the newsletter, and you'll be seeing a a new kit from us uh, in the not-too-distant future.
0: The DIY uh, time machine, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, well, that would be an interesting one. Uh, We'd have to solve some relativistic issues, but uh, hey. Oh,
0: no worries. You'd crush uh, Pebble's probably going to take over the top spot from the looks of it. They're they're going nuts. You guys are definitely going to go nuts as well. And uh, what I want to jump into, let's, uh, let's jump into the launch round now. Sound good? Sure. Have you ever wrapped up a thousand rewards and shipped them out to your backers when you're pressed for time? It is no fun. Trust me. If you're thinking about running a Kickstarter campaign and you're going to make it big, artofthekickstart.com EFS for your crowdfunding fulfillment. It'll help you make it that much easier. Welcome to the launch round, where we take our guests through a series of rapid fire questions geared towards unlocking the inner inventor and entrepreneur in all of us. Get ready to blast off and unlock your inner potential. Let's do this. So Alex, first question for you. You're a smart guy. You're an inventor, an entrepreneur, a businessman. What would you say is the best way to go about solving a problem, finding something worth doing?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And, you know, there's the answer always varies by person. But, you know, one thing that I loved in college and, you know, really motivates who I am today is I did a lot of improv, a lot of improv comedy. And one of the most the most in fact important rule of improv is a is a rule called yes and what that means is you know if you're given a suggestion for an object or your scene partner throws something at you, default to saying yes and then say and add something so if if Matt, if you were to say something like, "Hey, so uh, you know uh, what do you think of chocolate biscuits? Do you like them like yes, and uh, I love dipping them in milk you know that's the kind of it's that that's pretty quotidian, but you know you start with something small. And you start building, you start yes-ending with a group of people who you like, people who you you race as intelligent. And what you find is the mind naturally, you know, like like an animal in the forest or like uh, a drop of water running down a sand dune, the mind moves and finds its own path if you allow it to yes and yes and and iterate uh, towards its, its sort of natural inclinations. You know, don't say no but to yourself as much. That was a big lesson for me in my youth. Also, you know... A lot of the other bit of advice I would give is people tend to put themselves in boxes. They tend to define themselves as, "Oh, I'm a businessman, I'm a techie, I'm a creative, I'm I'm this, I'm that." And oftentimes, the most interesting ideas, the most interesting inventions come when you merge and smash different disciplines together, and you, you kind of combine storytelling with computer science, or you combine like uh, you know finger painting with with Pyth- the Python programming language. And so if you, if you meld things together, if you say yes and and you do it with a group of people who you trust and who you rate in, in terms of their intelligence, humor and creativity, you will find something. And, I, you know, I, I know I've been extraordinarily lucky to have people like my co-founder, Yonatan, and, and my co-founder, Saul, to sort of yes and with it and bounce ideas off of it during this journey.
0: Yeah, you build your life and just, just do an incredible brainstorm where everything adds to each other. But that's yeah. really hard. Co-founders, talk a little bit. How do people do it effectively? Because it's one of those things. Everyone says you should. Everyone says you shouldn't. No one has any freaking idea. It works or it doesn't. What's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, for me, this is my first company. So I can't give any sort of deep uh, uh, final advice. I can only speak to my own experience. But what I had, especially in my co-founder, Yonatan, was someone who was like the, the yang to my yin you know, we're two very different guys, you know, where I'm sort of more of a a kind of a creative generative. He's very analytic, whereas I'm I kind of like ambiguity, ambiguity, I like exploring, you know, the blurred lines, Uh, Yonatan has a very good sense of systems for getting things done for adding things up. And so, you know, between the two of us, we, of course, we go crazy at each other sometimes, because we're two very different people. And you know, the pressures of building a company can bring you down. But one thing that's been important for me to remember, and I think for both of us to internalize and value, is is our differences are our strength. You know, the fact that we can sort of complement each other. So I think if you if you're starting anything, whether it's a creative or business project or uh, any venture in life, you know, it often makes sense to do it with someone who you know you you have the same values. Yeah, you know, you start from the same heart and soul, but your techniques, your tools, and your habits should be different. You should challenge each other in that way.
0: Challenging each other. I think that's a good way to wrap that up. And speaking of challenges, I think you guys have accomplished some pretty incredible things. You've raised over $1.5 million. But at the same time, there's other entrepreneurs out there, people that possibly were your role models, people you looked up to, or just like massive, massive success stories. If you could meet with anybody throughout history, entrepreneur, inventor, we talked about Shakespeare, who would you want to talk to? What would you talk to him about? What would you delve into over coffee? Or a beer, whatever you guys like to do.
1: Yeah, what a great question. I think one fellow who always comes to mind for me is the, the the founding father Alexander Hamilton. He was he's traditionally thought of as like the big business founding father, but his personal story is incredible. I mean, he was born the the bastard son of uh, of sort of a vagabond in, in, on a Caribbean island, the island of of Saint Croix, at Croix and he. His journey from sort of from really having nothing to being the, you know, eventually the uh, the Secretary of the Treasury, the founder of the First National Bank, the guy who in many ways defined what the modern world looks like, you know, and then, you know, ultimately to dying in a duel with, with Aaron Burr over politics, over ideology. This was the person who I think most out of any of the American founding fathers worked to to bring the spirit of democracy and liberty together with the spirit of capitalism, and it doesn't always work so well, and he certainly, you know, during his time as, as Secretary of the Treasury, uh, created a much more unequal society, a society whose financial markets were much more volatile, but, and he, he also had the view that, you know, the elite in society should have more control than they do. And yet, he came from such a, a humble background, and he had to build himself from, from nothing, and his, uh, he was always so full of kind of, of wit and moxie. And, you, you know, when he was in his, his early 20s, you know, I'm kind of young for what I'm doing. When he was in his early 20s, 21, he was in the trenches serving as the aide de camp to, to President Washington, at, well, pre-President Washington, General Washington during the Revolutionary War. So I'd love to talk to him about, you know, well, looking at America today, looking at capitalism today, can it really sync with liberty and freedom in the way that we think? Um, I'd also love to give him a cano kit and see what he thought.
0: <laughs> i'm sure it would absolutely blow his mind and i think that's kind of cool the democratization and capital cap, uh, i can't even put all the words together i think that's kind of what ken i was doing but i want to jump back to you guys in a sec but first we always wrap up the launch round with a business book a life book something incredible you think listeners need to check out is there anything that you would say is just golden
1: yeah my uh let me, give, let me give a business and a life book. Um, this is one tons of people will talk about. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. A lot of people who want to go into business have big, big personalities and big, big egos, you know, probably myself included. And, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People is a wonderful book, time-tested, it shows you how to use your ego for good. <laughs> and so I would really recommend it to anyone. It's just great lessons on getting by with people. It's absolutely brilliant. I'm sure, yeah. It's just such a classic. The, the, the life book that I would recommend is, uh, is a different one. It's called <laughs> the, the Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. And what the book is about is how almost every myth, almost every story, almost every sacred text you find in human culture when you analyze them together and side by side, you find that really they tell one central narrative, a central hero myth, a hero story that runs through almost everything we do. And, and you know, that book, when I was becoming a journalist, when I was writing the uh, the copy for the Kickstarter campaign, that book was really powerful to me. You know, it lays out all the fundamental tropes of storytelling, you know, the uh, the call to adventure, the uh, the divine challenge, the temptation, and then, of course, the the enlightenment and, and return. And I think, you know, in a society where, you know, there's a lot of noise, as we were discussing, when there, it's very hard to find a narrative to bring people together, a book like The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell shows how even our contemporary stories are just reflections of a, of a greater story that's been told now for, for millennia. And so it's, it's great. It's, a, it's one I, I really love.
0: Where's Kano on the hero's journey? What stage are you guys at?
1: I think that's a great question. I think uh, I think we're at the call to adventure. To be honest, uh, we're still right at the beginning. You know, we uh, I guess Mika gave the the initial call to adventure. You know, build me a computer is as simple and fun as Lego. You know, to be honest, now that we've shipped to our first thirty five thousand customers and we've got these kids in eighty six countries making games like Pong and Snake, you know, making Minecraft, making music, building hardware. We're probably at a new step in the hero's journey, which is, you know, the divine challenge. You know, we have the call to adventure. We had the spark of adventure. Now we've really got to put our heads down. And we've fortunately got an exceptional team, 30 inventors, storytellers, designers, engineers from 15 different countries. We're here to try and solve some really tough problems related to, you know, optimizing for a low level hardware platform, supply chain related challenges, you know, getting out a strong brand message for a new product. So that's where we are, I think, the divine challenge. And hopefully we'll come through and reach reach enlightenment.
0: Yeah, I would say that's definitely my challenge for you guys is never get to that point where you stagnate. Never become those boring old companies. I think what you guys are doing is pretty revolutionary. It's pretty incredible. But at the same time, you had some mistakes come in here. I mean, that's just how it works. What did you learn from your Kickstarter? What do you want to share with other people that are trying to crush their crowdfunding campaigns?
1: Uh, On the Kickstarter?
0: Or on everything. Just take that. Take that as a as a can of worms, a grain of sand. What did you guys screw up that you think other people can learn
1: from? Hmm, yeah, it's a great question. I think we, you know we've made tons of mistakes along the way. We uh, I remember our our biggest mistake, at least early on, is you know we had this great Kickstarter and we you know we wanted to raise a hundred thousand dollars in thirty days. We raised that in sixteen hours. By the end of the campaign we'd raise one point five million dollars. We had backers like Steve Wozniak, Yancy Strickler, and there was a lot of momentum and energy. And we were so focused on the Kickstarter that we realized that when the Kickstarter closed, we didn't have an online store open to sell the product. So we, we had to start Yeah. Yeah. We had to start like a wait list and we probably lost a, a lot of sales that way. So that was a mess up, but we were figuring it out as we went along. You know, I think there were a few problems and challenges on the supply chain. But, you know, fortunately, with the help of our wonderful ops team led by Becca Sweetman, we, we ended up uh, fixing those shipping up, you know, only two months behind the uh, the date that we projected in the Kickstarter. You know, maybe, uh, you know, one or two mistakes early on when it came to uh, how we communicated, just, you know, perhaps saying too much rather than just focusing on the, the simplicity of the message. But yeah, I think, you know... You've got to make an environment where people are comfortable to fail and, and make mistakes. And that's that's a real challenge when you're trying to move fast. But I guess this relates back to yes and. You know, if there's a failure, don't hide from it. You know, enjoy it, laugh about it. You know, don't do it again. I don't think you, failure is is a good thing. But if and when it does happen, you know, you just got to take it on the chin.
0: Take it on the chin. Yeah, I've got to ask you a personal question, Alex. Have you read Good to Great? Because it sounds like you have. That's something I want to bring up.
1: Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I read the uh, like the, the introduction because it was sent to me as a PDF, but um, I've never read the whole thing, although it's one of my dad's favorite books, actually.
0: I got to say I'm impressed, and I definitely want to point this out for anyone who's listening. You've had all the stats on hand. Every time there's been honors or things that you could really kind of take the props for, you've given it to the team. You've basically been the guy that says, we did incredible because of everyone and I think that's awesome. I think that's what true leaderships from. And you guys should definitely be taking notes. You crushed it Alex. And before I let you go, before I let you go. It's been awesome having you on. It's we've had our technical issues yada yada, but I want one last piece of advice. One thing to leave people with that's just going to transform their mind, blow their business sky high and make crazy things happen for
1: them. Here it is.
0: No pr- no pressure.
1: Yeah. I would say I would say this don't let anyone pin you down. Sometimes people with more power, with more money than you, they'll come and pin you down to something. They'll say, you know, this is this is what you are. I like it. That's what you should do. And because you want to please them, you say, yes, yeah, that's what I am. But then time moves on and the people who are pinned down, they get overtaken. Stay uncanny. Stay uncanny. Stay stay fast moving, worrying, and make sure that whatever you're doing, it's something that only only you could do, I guess. And, you know... If you do that, even if you do fail, at least you did it because it came from you. And I think that's all any of us should expect out of life. Stay uncanny. Don't, don't let people pin you down.
0: Exactly. Because once you got haters, that means you're actually doing something.
1: Yeah. yeah exactly.
0: Thank you for coming on today, Mr. Alex Klein. You absolutely crushed it. I think you shared a ton of awesome stuff. If people want to check out Kano, they want to say thanks for coming on and being awesome. Or just see what you guys are about. Where is the best place for them to come say hey?
1: Sure, yeah. Come uh, visit us at cano.me. That's can- cano, dot And you can also get yourself a computer kit, the first computer anyone can make, Cano, for $149. There's free shipping. You can make it your little Raspberry Pi-powered system. You can learn how to code. If you've got a kid in your life, it's an amazing gift. So join us at cano.me.
0: It's incredible because, I mean, coding is just... Get one of these for your kids, guys. This is how they get that 100K a year job by basically knowing nothing but coding. That's the world we're living in. That's what you're empowering people all around the world. Thanks for coming on today, Alex. It's been great talking to you. And thanks, listener, for tuning in.
1: Great. Thanks for having me, Matt.
0: Awesome. Thanks, man. Hey, guys, I'm your host, Matt Ward, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Art of the Kickstart, where we believe inventors, innovators, and entrepreneurs are changing the world and bringing humanity forward into the future. If you liked the ideas in this episode, or you're interested in learning more about crowdfunding and how to kill it with your own Kickstarter campaign, you can check out more at artofthekickstart.com. And if you've been listening to the show, love the episodes, but you're not subscribed, that's got to change. You can go to artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes or slash Stitcher and get the episodes delivered magically to your phone. And if you like the show, I would love you forever if you leave a review on iTunes. It helps more aspiring inventors and creators out there find the show and find the information they need to kill it on Kickstarter.
1: Until next time, thanks for tuning in, guys, and have an absolutely epic day.